Sassy, sassy. Oh, Neilbo Swaggins. What's up, oh, my guy? Oh, oh, let's go. What's up, brother? We are <laughs> back. We are back. We are back. That is right, man. It was good to see you last week, by the way. It was beautiful. And we didn't even get our selfie, though. I realized that after. I was like, oh, shit, dude. I, I, I was so brain dead. I didn't even think about it. You were both washed. It's okay. <laughs> I was losing it, man. <laughs> <laughs> you were. <laughs> you were gone. It's okay. Uh, we had a meal illness. Yeah. yeah. I did step into the illness, bro. I was like, holy shit. Because I left. I got in my car and within like 30 minutes, I was fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it was the illness. Uh, that's amazing. But yeah, thank you for coming for the B Day and giving me some love. And you also now hold the best award for the best, che- not cheesecake, for the best carrot cake around. The carrot cake um, is banging, although the, the icing was cheesecake icing, which is even better. Yeah, or like cream cheese icing, I guess cream you could say. Icing. Yeah. I think it's but dense, huh? It's bomb. It's, it's like carrot cake cookie dough <laughs> yeah. turned into cake. Yeah, yeah, man. It's like, yeah, it's really sweet, but it's also like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know, man. The whole thing was probably like when you took it out, it was probably like nine inches tall of carrot cake. So it's got like three, like two layers of carrot cake with like three layers of icing in it. Mm. It's G'd up from the street up. <laughs> from the street up. My eyes just went big old as you talked. You started that. Or big old as you started talking about that. So it was delicious. Thank you, sir. Thank you for giving me all the love in the world and for all the love we got to share. And yeah, letting man. me share my kneelness. <laughs> with you <laughs> it was it was good to carry the burden with you but actually to to speak to that feeling of brain fog and that feeling of like low energy that actually kind of connects to your aspect of what we're going to be talking a little bit about today it's going to be talking uh-huh. about your gene keys so today as we just alluded to we're going to be discussing a book by the name of gene keys by richard rudd and I'll give my backstory on this. This book was actually recommended to me by one of your friends about a year ago. I had put out a video on your Facebook page, your soul truth alignment, Facebook page. Mm -hmm. And I did this video about epigenetics and how spiritual downloads affect you at an epigenetic level. Um, And I've talked about it on that video and I've talked about it about a hundred times on the podcast, the idea that things exist different archetypes exist at different frequencies and you have the same core energetic. And as the frequency changes, it changes the expression of that core archetype. And I've talked about it with like hatred, anger, self-righteousness, justice. This book is built off of a similar principle written from the, uh, the I Ching, the Chinese I Ching, uh, which essentially states that there are like 64 different programs within the, the DNA. And each one of them has three different levels of vibration. You have a shadow, which is a negative expression of this, of this core archetype. Then you have the gift, which is kind of like the life affirming version of it. And then you have the CD, which is the, the highest level that this thing can be expressed at. It's like the enlightenment stage of, of this gift. So today we're going to be getting into, um, Two different, two different aspects of this book, uh, Neil and I are going to be diving into a piece uh, of this book within either one of our charts. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> ow, ow. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, well, who wants to go first? 
Mm-mm-mm. All you right, children. I... <laughs> <laughs> you know, text in, text in your vote. Who do you want to go first? Uh, well, I just read yours. Um, I was sitting in the last like 15 minutes of class, which by the way, took an hour and 15 minutes longer than it normally does. So I just put it <laughs> yeah. on mute and I just read your gene key in the last like 15 minutes. And the whole audience is going to uh, message your professor and let them know that Zach was, Zach was yeah, not let, participating. Let them know that this is a fucking outrage and it's a scandal and the city can't handle it. All right. The city's <laughs> got enough burden already. The cops are being paid off. There's LSD in the water. Dang. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway. I have no idea either, but it sounds like an amazing <laughs> movie. I want to see that dystopia. That Yeah, for real. Um, so within this book, there you can go onto the website of this book and put together what's called a hologenetic profile. And this is loosely based off of astrology, although it's not necessarily. It's more so based off of the, the Chinese I Ching. And within the hologenetic profile, there are multiple different pathways. There is kind of a self-actualization spiritual pathway. There is a pathway of relationships called the Venus pathway. And then there's kind of a pathway of actualization. It's called the Pearl pathway. And each of these have different connections and different nodes. The different nodes are what make up your hologenetic profile. And Neil and I have decided to read each other's gene key for life purpose. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got a chance to check out mine. So I'm, I'm curious what, what was sticking out to you? Yeah. Okay. So Neil's life purpose gene key is what is known as the 34th gene key. So talk to me, baby. Talk to me. Tell me your name. She bang, bro. Um, <laughs> she bangs. She bang. Oh, so baby. The 34 or the 64 gene keys. What's interesting about it is that it actually corresponds to uh, the central dogma as we know it in science. And the central dogma in biology basically states that you have. DNA, which is transcribed into RNA, which is then translated into protein. And when DNA turns into RNA, it has specific, has a specific language to it. You have three different nucleic acids that are called a codon, and you have 64 codons, which all code for amino acids, for 20-something amino acids. I think it's 20 right on the dot. And in the Chinese I Ching, there are 64, what I think are called hexagrams or something like that. So it actually thousands of years ago corresponded to what we're learning about in genetics and central dogma today. So Neil's life purpose is the 34th gene key. It's called the beauty of the beast, which I fucking love for Neil. (laughs) Um. I will say I never read that actual title or I never like, I never really paid much attention to it because I just wanted to get into the meat. And as you said that, I'm like, Oh my God, that makes so it's, much. I think we've, sense. I think we've actually said something like that before with regards to you. Well, um, so the, the shadow of the 34th gene key is the shadow of force. The gift, which is the intermediate stage is strength. And I say intermediate, although intermediate is like a very, is still a very high level of vibration for these gifts. And the CD, which is kind of the enlightened stage of this, is majesty. Um, It has a physiologic connection to the sacral plexus, which I really liked about this. And essentially, the 34th gene key at its shadow essence, at its root, is the imperative for survival within a single organism. So it was lying deep within 
the genetic code or the DNA of organisms all the way back uh, into the archaic stages of Earth's development into like literal archaea and prokaryotic organisms, like single-celled organisms, all the way up through plants and especially into reptiles. It's the force that drove evolution into, it drove like mammals into having an upright spine. It drove us into being humans as we know of humans today. It's competitive. Um, Its prime directive is survival. And because of this, it is completely selfish. Uh, at the shadow stage, it has actually at all stages, it has no awareness of itself whatsoever. So this 34th gene key is completely without any self-awareness. So at the f- the level of force, it basically just does whatever it wants in order to get whatever it needs for survival and can be quite destructive. And there are a few things I highlighted in the book here um, because I want to give Neil a chance to dialogue about some of the things that are going on. So one of the things that I highlighted was that each time someone is caught in a space of trying to make something happen against the flow, they are under the influence of this shadow frequency. I then went on to underline, um, under the influence of this shadow, you become totally lost to the force that is moving through you, even though it may be harmful to you or others. So Neil, I wanted to ask you if you were aware of any times in your life when you were trying to unconsciously force something that wasn't meant to work or that you felt completely engrossed within a process that you later either were made aware of or you became aware of was a selfish process. Honestly, I can't think of anything off the top of my mind. Um, and I, I know there is some stuff, so that's going to be a nice little question I get to sit with. And frankly, like after reading but this, it's also you unconscious. Actually know. So, yeah, yeah. I may never it, know. It's a, it's a drive that might be completely unconscious for you. Yeah. Like there might be things unless they were made explicitly, unless they were made explicit to you by somebody else, you might actually never be uh, able to derive what mm-hmm. these things are. Yeah. I um, think that they would be shined a light on by somebody else. Or just like one of those moments where I'm like, oh my fucking God, but I haven't hit that yet. Well, let that percolate in the back of your mind because I have something else that I wanted to draw out for you on this one. So part of this gene key is that it's tied uh, inextricably to the sacral plexus. And in the book, Richard Rudd talks about, he doesn't explicitly talk about the enteric nervous system, but there's an entire nervous system that exists within the gut that is highly intelligent. Um, And many... I guess we'll call them metaphysicians, people who are spiritual, but also study physiology, believe that this is kind of the nervous system that receives and transmutes subtle information, our intuition, right? So within this, they talk about uh, the distinction between force and power, kind of like David Hawkins Mm -hmm. does. And he says, strength is to be found deep within the sacral plexus. And force is always rooted to the mind, whereas power comes from the belly. Right. And I was thinking about, you know, how, like, how can we transmute this shadow to move towards a life of complete purpose and action and, and, uh, and meaning. And I was thinking about you and your gut and your relationship to your intuition and being able to listen to your gut at all moments. And I remember thinking when we 
first met and we were really developing and opening up spiritually, Mm -hmm. you always talked about the awareness moving into your body and learning how to listen to your body. And one of the things that I realized is that you've been having gut issues for the last year. Yeah. For a lot of your life, but the the last year, but but especially in probably the last two years. And I was thinking about how difficult it is to listen to an area of your body when it's painful like your natural inclination is to move away from it. And I also begin to realize that when we purge a shadow from our body or from our DNA or from our cells, we have to confront it first. And I've been realizing that this battle with like gut health has been you purging a third, like the 34th shadow and alchemizing yeah, it into fully into a gift. So do you want to talk a little bit about that and about like your intuition and your sacral plexus and your gut and stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, I've always had a horrendously sensitive gut, right? And, you know, we can talk about on an empathic level. I'm just like an empathic sensitive, right? I was an emotional kid, sensitive kid, all these things and eventually became like sensitive stomach. And, uh, you know, as I got older, <laughs> I was actually, uh, I, you, I may have told this to you. I was on a call with a buddy one time and he's a, um, he's a comedian as well as very, he does men's work and, um, and he's very spiritual as well. <laughs> and we were talking about like gut IBS and we would basically, we turned this, we term this concept of spiritual IBS and it's basically like every spiritual person just has a horrendous gut. <laughs> and I think it's actually this, um, what, I had gone through last year. It was times where just my, more times than not, the majority of the time, my gut was just horrible. And what I knew too was on an emotional level, whenever I was going through massive shedding, massive release, my gut would act up. And there was almost for you know TMI like physical cleansing. That's a that's a very non TMI TMI version of speaking of that. <laughs> a very PC way to say it. Yeah, uh, very PC way to say it. Um, And it was, it's just that it was a lot of these emotional layers, a lot of these blocks, a lot of this energy, a lot of the shadow. Um, It's the physical manifestation of this energetic cleansing of this emotional cleansing that I feel like that's also very, very prevalent for so many of us spiritually. Like there's so much that we hold within our guts that block us up, right? It's somatic emotions, it's trauma, it's whatever it is, like all these different things that we hold, especially with empaths where we're sucking up all this energy, all this wisdom, all this knowing, it just becomes a giant like blobbed up mess. And mm-hmm. so you can get one version of the other of some form of stomach issues. Um, you don't has, know how to move the energy yet. Mm-hmm, and you don't know how to move the energy. And that's actually relates what to, I've been learning. Which actually relates to my gene key at like mm-hmm. at the, at the CD level, which talks about the refinement of energy flow through the body. Mm. I totally missed that in yours. I was, I was reading. I don't even remember that part. Yeah. I think it's towards the end. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, actually that, I mean, that's what mine is too. Um, I have a tendency within this gene key when I am in a repressed nature of this gift, mm-hmm. um, energy gets very blocked up, especially yeah. in the gut. And I'm actually, as you were saying that question, I'm really shocked I was able to be as intuitive and as in tune with wisdom and my own knowing um, through the entire year. Because there was so much blocked up. There was so much coming to surface. There was so much bubbling. There was so much being carried there. 
I don't know how it was able to. Your symptoms were also a lot worse then. And I think Mm -hmm. your willingness to engage with the symptoms was the physical, like the physical manifestation of the energy moving, right? Mm -hmm. So because you didn't have the tools to move the energy at the level of energy, um, if you were to engage with your intuition, you had to clear things out physically. You had to like really, really feel the pain of the physical symptoms and your willingness to engage in kind of a warrior spirit with those physical symptoms was what gave you access to your intuition is my, is my intuition about that. Frankly, it is very correct. Um, And, you know, one of the things that I realized for you, that's so, that's so powerful, I think with regards to clearing this up and getting more in touch with your intuition. So you can think about this from either the Hindu perspective or like kind of the Tao perspective, right? So we have the sacral chakra where we have the lower Tantian, right? In Tao or traditional Chinese medicine, the lower Tantian is basically like the battery of the body. It's where you store, your gut is like where you store all of your vital energy. In kind of Hindu perspective, you have the sacral chakra, which we associate with creative energy, creative energy being either expressive or sexual in nature. And as we both know, you enjoy poetry and drawing and painting. Um, And so I was kind of going along the lines of like you engaging deeply with art, with poetry and with sex are the things that will allow stagnant energy to move and clear through that, through that space. Yeah. I fully believe that it's like through expression. Like that's what this key is for me most mm-hmm. if we kind of look at the very end of it and like the i don't remember the term but like what this gift really is it, there's a level of this is the expression of the divine as man of god as man as god as form and for me to engage in that is what brings me through to the highest elevation of this trait of this gene key and that is through simply just expression, right? It's, I'm not meant to, well, this is one thing you and I have talked about that I'm figuring out. Like, I'm not meant to be doing magic here in this world. I'm meant to just express it, to be that, to, just be. to be the divine and just be, yeah. Which is the really, like, one of the things that's so important in this gene key is it's the ability cool. to just be very present and be and express. And because it's very it's, feminine. It's not, it's not self-aware, right? So mm-hmm. it's literally just a being of, who you are. And one of the things that they talk about here is um, unlike, so they talk about the gift, unlike the shadow does so through appropriate activities and correct timing, which mm-hmm. is a process of being. Yeah. And that's actually, it ties into one of my other gene keys um, of what I'm really, what I'm here to learn in this life. And it's the ability to be in ease and just flow which is so counterintuitive to the ways we kind of know, you know, the masculine side of this life path for me. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a lot of what I was saying to you in one of the previous episodes. Like I never fully resonated with a lot of like the masculine traits for me in this life and what I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to bring them to life. It feels a lot more balanced. It feels actually a bit more feminine, femininely heavy. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what I'm here to learn is to kind of be in that flow, to find the past of, the path of least resistance to find the ease and just allow that to happen. And it's just pure, like just some riding that wave of just water flow. And that's what my life is meant to be. 
I highlighted a piece of this gene key that is just about that. So what he says I here did is, too. <laughs> you highlighted about stuff I highlighted. We are talking about the ability to act in harmony with natural forces, the real definition of strength. When applied to physical activity, which is what the 34th gift is all about, strength has no element of trying or forcefulness within it. It simply flows out of you and you become effortlessly at one with the activity. Effortless in this context does not mean that there is no exertion. There may be great exertion, but there is no resistance. That is like kind of the piece there. Yeah. Is that you find this, the, the slip flow within the universe and you exert yourself within it. You're still expending your inner resources, but you're not giving more to the task. The, the task isn't taking more from you than you're giving to it, which I think is something that we've talked about in woke wasted the former iteration of this podcast (laughs) yeah that's crazy too dude it's like having gone through this past birthday where i've completed it like i felt like intuitively just felt like i completed this whole first phase of my life this whole first cycle it's done like i feel Mm -hmm. like i'm at a fresh light green lights everywhere there is flow opportunity like i can i'm finally who i'm becoming who i'm meant to be in this life the self and i have all the opportunities the abilities that align with that what I found too is um, last year, there, there's a part of the gene key that says like there's to really be able to be at the best expression of this. You go through a part, a phase where you really surrender the body and you kind of break free of it and transcend it. So you can just be in consciousness and expression that I feel like that was largely what the last few years were for me. As we'd hit all the, went deep into crown meditation, it was just releasing the body and going up, up, up into source. Mm-hmm. And having gone through that, now I'm at the place where I can really progress through what this key, gene key is meant to be for myself, which is moving into this place of inner strength, which is moving into this place of pure expression of flow. And it feels like, that resistance it just feels like the last few years were just blocks for me i couldn't Mm -hmm. do anything i wanted to even if it was like aligned what i was meant to be there was just a cap of how far it could go and i just hit a wall and that was it and now it's uh, it's it's i'm moving into the beauty side of the beast yeah and i think that part of that is like with regards to you kind of getting into uh working again like Mm -hmm. you're because you have your own business businesses and you've been kind of working through those and there's some aspect of you doing another job that just puts you in effortless flow. Mm-hmm. Not like it's something Fully. that you're meant to do for the rest of your life, right? But it's something that gets you moving. It's something that gets you just to kind of do a job mindlessly and to be present and engaging with the people and being yourself. And I think that that's like creating a lot of energetic flow yeah. for you. And that's something that couldn't have been there in the last few years too, right? If we talk about like following the energy of life and moving through the path that it's meant to be in at the right time. I couldn't have done that before. And those opportunities wouldn't arise if I tried to chase that and go after it. Mm-hmm. But now it's meant to be, and it's coming in a place where it's really ushering me forward. And it's just like, everything is just perfect. And I'll say that's what I've like separate from this dude. Like that's what I've been feeling recently where it's just like, I am on the divine path. Whatever happens is going to happen. It's going to come at the right time. There's a level of ease and surrender here that I've never had before. And it just makes life so much more pleasant and joyful. And it just feels like I can surrender control and do exactly what I'm meant to do. And I know whatever is going on in that day when I'm present and intentional is exactly perfect. 
Exactly. You know, they actually talk about destiny in this gene key. When people speak of destiny, we often refer to the force that lies outside of the reach of humanity. Yet the secret to destiny has to do with frequency. It is through this codon that two great forces of evolution and involution come together. There is great mystery here. Does the frequency of your own DNA change your destiny? That is the view of evolution. Or does a higher force outside of you make it possible for you to raise the frequency of your DNA? That is the view of involution. The paradox can only be solved through another paradox. Both are true and both are interdependent. Heroes and heroines are made both on earth and in heaven. I have nothing to say to that, but it's just beautiful. I really this, this book is that. fucking straight liquid fire. fire. I love yeah, it. Absolutely um, fire. Before we move on to my gene key, because I know we're we're push we're pushing the limits of this time frame. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're cramming as much in there as we're we can. working with. <laughs> yeah. But the part of the idea of gene keys is that in with regards to the shadow, there is a repressive manifestation right. of a shadow, and there's an uh, a reactive nature of a shadow, right? So you can think of them like an introverted or an extroverted expression of these things. Um, I think for both of us we express this gene key in a repressive nature uh, and the repressive nature is self-effacing. So all within the self-effacing nature, basically it, it describes this as it is it being afraid of itself. And I was actually, before I'd even read this gene key, I was reflecting on this maybe two nights ago for myself, at least. Um, and the way that this expresses within me, I was at uh, a party with a bunch of my med school friends and I'd brought, uh, I had brought somebody with me and I had brought this person who was very introverted and didn't know anybody there. So I felt this immense inner pressure to make sure all the conversations flowed very smoothly, that there were very few awkward pauses and that people were having a good time. And I was probably one of like maybe three or four people at this party who was really kind of holding up the energy of the whole room and really like making sure that people were just, yeah, like not having awkward pauses, communicating, you know, people's significant others were interacting with people they had never met before. And one thing that I realized is I would be standing in a group and I would be constantly like holding up the energy of the group, keeping people laughing, keeping keeping people engaged. And everyone would, as soon as things would get awkward, like look to me to like say something. And I would say something and people would start laughing. But when I would say things, I wouldn't really make direct eye contact with anybody. Like I felt uncomfortable with the immense amount of expectation and pressure that was on me. And I realized later that night that there was a fear in me of my own power. There was a fear because I knew acutely walking into that room, like I can command as, a, as much attention as I want from this room. And when I started to do it out of what I perceived as necessity at the time, I became incredibly uncomfortable. I'm like, well, everyone is looking at me. Everyone can see me. And there was like a fear of that power. So I'm interested for you, what areas of your life, or maybe even what specific example you might have where you were afraid of yourself or you're afraid of your own power. I was not blowing you off by staring at my phone. I was trying to pull something up to hammer in this concept. 
And I immediately thought of the Maya Angelou quote that everyone always shares. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. And I think that's so very true. And I think that's probably one of the most subconscious, unaware things that we all hold. I'll say that for myself, but I'm going to project that and apply that to the rest of the world as well. Um, When I was reading that excerpt from my Gene Key, that's the one that I immediately sent to you. And I sent to like five other people. I was like, oh my fucking God, Like this is hitting me straight to my heart. And it's, it's so very true. And I remember several times over the last few years where I'd see posts on Instagram where people talk about that, right? Like you, we're at, oftentimes we're just scared of our own ability, of our own greatness, of our own, you know, all that we can do more so than not. And I remember asking myself several times, like, is that me? Does that apply to me? I'm like, no, that's not it. That doesn't feel right. But what we know about this, this gene key is it's very unconscious. It's very unaware. So of course, even when I was looking at that intentionally right at the exact thing, it wasn't coming up. Um, that's actually what my process is of going into the, the solar sacral energy, going into that intuitive mind and the gut is taking myself a layer deeper and a layer deeper and a layer deeper. And eventually these things start to unravel and fold. Uh, I just had to share that a little bit. But when it comes to this, it's actually something I've seen over the last few days as well. Um, like I said, finished this last cycle of my life and I'm moving forward and it's happening rapidly. The things I know that are most supposed to come to life, like they are ushering in. And there's been several times, um, what I'll think of is most recently, uh, at the, at the gym and, uh, I was at the front desk and a kid came up to me and was like, Hey, this old woman fell. And so we ran out there and she had fallen. And I remember almost, almost freezing up a little bit. And it's something that I've always beat myself up over in the past. I always thought that, man, I'm not a person that does well in like fast paced environments. I'm not a person that does well when I have to really take charge and command a situation, which we know is actually a lot of what happens in this life for me. There's a lot of leadership here. There's a lot of directionality as well. And I remember reflecting on this afterwards and be like, yeah, that was a moment where I was really supposed to, where I was really given an opportunity to step up into this part of myself. And I, there's still a fear. There's still a hesitancy of that. And there's what I find, what I've found over these last few weeks, but what I find just through my entire life so far has been like the moments that are the most impactful for me, the moments where I am going to do something important is where I can feel fear really taking over beforehand where I can feel it, where I'm like, I don't want to go to this thing. I don't want to do this. And I get there and this situation arises. It's, it's, it's so common for me. Um, I know that's not a specific, but it's, it's very, it's been very prevalent. And for me, I don't think it's this gene key, uh, maybe one of my other ones in like leadership, but you know, I've talked to you about it where it's like, for me, so much of my work is about transcending fear. That's my life purpose. It's about transcending fear. And there is, and there's times when I begin to do that, I give awareness, acknowledgement, acceptance of that fear and move forward anyways until it eventually just stops happening. And I get to bring that to the world. And But that is, I think, one of the things that is very much so coming to surface for me right now. That was a whole rant and tangent, but... No, but I think it yeah. actually summarizes... I think it summarizes it well because it ties in multiple 
mm-hmm. areas, right? And it's kind of the the overarching theme is overcoming fear and training your nervous system mm-hmm. to react in the face of fear. Like, you know, in fear, we have a sympathetic response, which is fight, flight, or freeze. Right. For you, it's freeze. Freeze. Fully. So yeah. for you, take taking doing even the smallest thing, maybe not even taking command of a situation at first, but just getting yourself to unfreeze and to move forward, I think is just it's becoming step. present and like resettling myself. If I can do that, I can make it through the whole thing easy and start to actually take demand and give some direction and like bring some organization to the moment. But if I let myself sit in it, then it just becomes like a mess. And I'm just like, Oh, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I will also say I'm very glad I was able to go on that rant tangent because my mind right now, is like in a million different levels of awareness and it's been really difficult to put things into words and context and stream it out in like a linear understandable way because i'm like seeing all these different levels and that's the way it's been the past few days so after i did that i was like oh yeah okay i was able to do it cool thank god makes me think of the meme of charlie day standing in front of the cork board with all the fucking strings on it he's just like exactly that (laughs) (laughs) trying to connect it all well we have about 20 minutes left do you want to get into the 54th gene key oh yeah i do baby let's get it yeah i do let's get it the zachary gene key the gene key gene key the The bean key the ginky oh you so ginky yeah hey don't gink shame me (laughs) (laughs) oh the zachary gene key oh oh, how ginky Is that what is the name of it? The 54th Ginky (laughs) Jinky. Yeah. So the Zachary key, the serpent path, which is very, very fitting for you and what this is. So what this is, y'all, I'm not going to get as in-depth as Zach does, but the greatest gift here is ascension, right? Which is what we know your gift in this life is very, very deeply spiritual, very, 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 very powerful in terms of wisdom and gifts that you bring through for the world. And that's what the city is for this. And so that looks in one of two ways. It's the gift, which is aspiration and the shadow, which is greed. I think that's a level of connection for both of us where the shadow is very selfish. It's very self-oriented. But when I was looking at that, dude, I was looking at the repressive nature and the reactive nature one repressive being unambitious reactive being greed and i struggled really like i feel like i know you very very well and i feel like i know a lot of your darkness and your shadows very well i have trouble seeing unambitious i have trouble seeing greed for you at all so i'm curious i know you said repressive probably is one that resonates with you earlier. Um, do you, it, how do you relate to either of these? That's a great question. Thank you for, for drawing that out. Um, I was thinking more repressive for the 34th gene key, uh, just okay. kind of specifically I that situation. For, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. But yeah, for both of these, I mean, I actually, um, I resonate with both unambitious and greedy. Um, how so it, it's, I know it's, it can be hard to see that from the outside looking. You're like, Oh, you're a medical student. You know, like you, it, it's hard to get there and it is right. And it took some level of ambition to get here. Uh, that being said in my own, uh, my inner world and in my inner being, 
I feel far less ambitious than the people around me. Like I do, I set a certain standard for myself and I achieve the bare minimum of that standard. I don't, <laughs> I'm not the, like, I, I always feel very inadequate when I see dudes like Jocko Willink or like Peter Atia or David Goggins, who are just like all the time wanting it's to absolute be on forces on all day long. I remember there's this quote that Peter Atia said uh, when he was talking to Jocko Willink and it, it still haunts me a little bit. I heard it like four years ago. And he said, I don't understand people who don't just want to crush it all the time. And I was like, fucking relax, bro. Fuck you too, dude. Yeah. yeah but it's like, <laughs> hit me like that. But that hit me really hard at the time. Yeah. Um, and I feel like my whole life I've really skated by off of natural talent. And when things get really hard, uh, my natural inclination is to fold, is to find, is to rationalize a way to stop doing the thing. And I think this in my life from like a developmental standpoint happened through my relationship to my mom and my stepdad where my stepdad wanted me to man up. Essentially he wanted me to like work hard, do things, have like a lot of passion. And he put me in sports that I didn't like. And instead of kind of asking me if there was a different sport that I wanted to do, he forced me to continue to do the sports that he wanted me to do. I didn't want to do them. I wanted to quit. And with many things in my life, when things got hard as a kid, I, I kind of wanted to fold because my mom would always say like, well, if you don't like it, let's just stop. Or like, oh, if it's too hard, like I don't want you to like, she would just baby me all the time. And whenever my stepdad would try and discipline me, she would physically put herself in between us and she would fight my battles for me with my stepdad instead of letting me have an exchange with him. And I think that I, I had to spend many, many, many years like really reversing that trait. And it turned into a really like potent inner self-critic that when I don't meet a standard that I think I should meet, I punish myself inside by shaming myself, essentially. So that's kind of where that restrictive pattern comes from for me. So let me ask you this. Um this may not apply to this specific gene key, but that trait, if we look at that as the shadow of you know, your gifts in this life, when that elevates into its maturity, into its gift, what trait is that actually? Yeah. And what key or what does that align to for you? Yeah. So actually, I think I underlined something within the 54th gene key because it goes from greed to aspiration to ascension. And they define aspiration as basically like a transition out of greed, which is ambition for the sake of material gain and personal gain to aspiration, which is to a non-material thing, basically to a more spiritual nature. And let me find this quote that I underlined. So unfortunately I did not underline anything. I starred an entire fucking paragraph. <laughs> basically, in this paragraph, he says, aspiration here refers to the energy to aspire to something beyond the material realm. It contains within it the seed of all higher consciousness. At this gift level, aspiration has to do with working with others for the benefit of others. This gift concerns the way in which energy is invested. At the shadow level, any accumulated energy went back into the drive to accumulate more with no other real purpose. 
At the higher level frequency, accumulated energy is recycled and used to support people lower down in the hierarchy. In this way, a truly healthy model is created. He goes on to say, basically say that the 54th gift aspires to a higher vision of prosperity. It still operates within its own community or organization, but it knows that the secret to real growth and expansion lies in mutually cooperative models between different groups and organizations. Um, so what I, what I'll do is kind of liken this to my journey through medicine. When I first decided to, or when I first became interested in becoming a physician, I had had two independent people recommend that I look into going to medicine um, without my solicitation or prompting or anything like that. They just kind of brute force recommended it for me. So I did some research into the field, into like sports medicine and things like that. And the first thing that drew my eye was the difference in median salary between what I wanted to do, which was strength conditioning coach and sports medicine. And it was about a five-fold increase in average salary. And I remember reading that and I said out loud, oh, I'm going to do this instead. Like that was the main thing that determined it for me at that time. And throughout the years, I kind of coined this phrase for myself that was, the journey meets you where you're at. Because at that point in time, the age of 23, I wanted to accumulate material wealth for myself to accumulate status. As I engaged with the process of the journey and the rigors that it demanded of me in order to achieve the goal, I slowly started to become less selfish. My goal became more philosophical, more abstract, and more others focused to the point where now, I mean, there are still internal drives that are like primary or I should say secondary gains. Like, oh yeah, I want to have a good salary. I want to have status. But more than anything, I want to impart the gifts that I was given in a way that helps other people and to utilize my access to spirit to impart upon others ideas that will help them heal the earth and heal society as well. I was thinking about that and I was thinking about how is, do you, is there a way that being greedy itself allows for this to happen right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that like with anything, there are transitional periods mm-hmm. that uh, I'll say oscillate back and forth. Because at certain points in time, a selfless ambition is the thing that will motivate me or any of us, like a selfless ambition will be the thing that is what you need to feel deep inside of you to keep you going in the long term. Um, So my long term goals are driven by a feeling that lives like deep within my gut, like deep inside of my solar plexus. I can feel it now that is about making an impact in the world, spreading the energy that I've been gifted with as a channel for. Um, It's not mine. It's just, I'm just a doorway for it. I really, I really believe that. And that is what keeps me going in the long term. 
but my short-term goals, get a good grade on this exam, um, impress this preceptor, get a good letter of recommendation, apply to this residency. Those are short-term goals that serve only me. And there's almost like a level of greed that is necessary for me within that. Yeah. You know, when I, when I was reading this and as you first began to talk about it and I was looking at greed, I never saw it as like a physical thing or like a financial thing. It would always suck out was it in terms of more so like attention or validation or those sorts of things, things that are a bit, actually the word is like more ego gratifying. Mm-hmm. And it feels like right before in its former expression, it was very shadow. It was just purely for the sake of ego. As again, like you're saying, as you mature, greed is still stuck around, but it's elevated. And now, you know, you get to do things that are, you know, essentially purely for you, but they are ultimately of service. That is you in this, the elevation of this gift of this trait, doing what you're meant to for this world. It's right. Like it's you couldn't be the best doctor you could if you weren't somewhat, you know, focused on yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think this ties in with the idea that if, if everything is of God or if everything is of source, that includes you, right? Mm-hmm. So some level of self-preservation, some level of self-interest is actually needs to be balanced with your other's focusedness. Mm-hmm. To be unbalanced would I mean, it's unbalanced, right? right? Within itself, it speaks to itself. But it's interesting that you said that because I actually underlined something within this under the shadow that says it isn't just about being successful. It's also about looking successful. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the greed that I resonated with was less about material wealth in terms of monetary gain for this. It was a lot more about my dating stature. Life. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, stature as well. But yeah, like about my dating life with regards to like in my early years, I didn't just want to date beautiful women. I wanted people to see me dating beautiful women. I wanted to be the guy who picked girls up at parties and had everybody kind of like looking at me being like, what does that guy have that I don't have? You know, I wanted to go out on dates with these beautiful women and have people looking at me and being like, how did that guy get that girl? Blah, blah, blah. And I thrived off of that. Right. And when I started to engage myself in a more spiritual nature, And I couldn't, I was talking to you about this the other day. I could no longer lie. There just became this point in my life where to lie to somebody felt like there was something trying to crawl out of my skin and the intention to date in that way is born out of a falsehood, right? Because the falsehood is that the way somebody looks makes them more valuable than somebody else or that even more so that this person's value to me is based off of their looks is based off of their social Mm -hmm. status rather than the mutual connection and affection and attraction that we share with one another, right. Which is far more important. So my dating life changed drastically when this happened. And I feel like this is part of that gift or that transmutation. Um, And I was actually listening to an old message that one of our friends had sent us it was saved within my phone. So when I was listening to my music, it popped up on my phone and I listened to it. <laughs> Meant to be. It was our friend Maya. Right. And she was talking to me about, uh, she'll just randomly channel shit for me. <laughs> she was talking about how in my, my relationships and my dating life, uh, my dating life is kind of tied inextricably from 
an astrological position known as the Chiron within my chart, which is the wounded healer. And it's the idea that in this area of your life, there will there will always be either some level of pain and insecurity. And the only way to transmute that is to turn this area of your life into a place of healing. That's the only way to take any sort of control over that. And what she had said was like, I recommend to you that you harness this energy rather than letting it happen to you. And usually really traumatic ways is how the Chiron works. But if you harness it yourself, then what you would do is essentially make all of your romantic relationships about mutual healing and growth. And to relate it to the 54th gene key, it's talking about prosperity rather than greed instead of about what this relationship offers me, which would all, which would be a perspective that would always lead me towards insecurity and jealousy and fear and inadequacy. It's more about how can we both prosper? How can we both heal? Um, which has been a really transformative process for me. This is a slight aside, but when you were speaking to that and you're talking about the your relationship to just relationships early on when you were younger, and there's a level of greed in that, right? But mm-hmm. what I also saw as well was the early stages of aspiration. It, it feels like, right, you're aspiring to be this person, to be able to have these things, hold these things. But that was also the shadow expression of it. But that I think that was also the development of that trait early on. But there's a go oh, ahead. Oh, I can see. really quickly. Yeah, you can see me yeah. like percolating with something. What it, it was a, I think on my part, it was an immature misunderstanding of what I wanted, right? right what exactly. I wanted was to, I wanted the, the quality within me. I wanted to be authentically myself, which I knew inherently on an intuitive level had a powerful presence and charisma and strength. And what I, what I thought I wanted was what is associated with that, which is social status, which is, you know, beautiful partners around you, which is all, all these different things, financial gain, right? So as a young man, you see an external thing and you think that's what you want. When in actuality, what you want is to be connected to the power within you that generates that result. The result is irrelevant. And this is where you and I parallel, homie, right? Because I sought strength ultimately and this charisma and charm, which comes through just a state of presence and being and effortlessness. There it Um, is. But, you know, we we always walk the same path together in our own ways, but it's the same path. But... So there was something here that I wanted to read for the audience as well. And I have a question about, so it says the 54th city of Ascension is a very particular path. It concerns the transformation of the gross currents within the body into more and more refined currents. It is the essence behind many of the great tantric and alchemical yogic systems. However, in order to work with these systems, you must have the necessary aspiration. This is not something that should be forced. So I'm curious for you, what does that balance between aspiration and force look like? And how have you learned, again, to balance those two and not lean all into, not let that force take over? That's a really great question. Um, and to, to give some context to that quote, the 54th gene key in the exact placement that I have it in is a placement of what he says is a disproportional 
amount of mystics and sages have that placement, which is the 54th gene key in life purpose. Yogananda Parahamsa. Parahamsa yeah. Yogananda. <laughs> yeah, the guy who wrote Autobiography of a Yogi, which I have on my, on my bookshelf. Um, and basically what he says is that like, because there's a disproportionate amount of yogis and mystics who have that placement, a lot of, there's a lot of, I guess, publicity or literature on uh, achieving enlightenment through this pathway, but it is not meant for everybody. It's meant for people who have it within their hologenetic profile because it can be a very uh, physically detrimental thing. It's like people who go into acute psychosis when they have a tantric awakening or a Kundalini awakening. But to speak to your question, how to balance the aspiration with the, the flowing nature I talked to you a little bit about this uh, over WhatsApp, and this is kind of a twofold thing. The aspiration is the, I'm going to call it the inner drive, but really it's a drive from the soul that is experienced deep within your being that points you, it's your compass, it points you due north, so to speak. And keeping your eye on that thing in the distance and that aspiration which is really what aspiration is, is what I'm receiving in this moment is a love and a longing to be in unification with that which you have placed your sights on. Um, in this regard, right, with greed, it's wealth. With aspiration, it is to be at one with source. You place your eye on that and then you surrender to whatever the process that unfolds is supposed to look like. So rather than trying to force your way into enlightenment, you just allow whatever to unfold unfolds. If that means that you lose your job or, you know, whatever you get cheated on or something like that, that's part of the process and you have to surrender to these moments. Another aspect to this gene key is that it says within the writing that it is a deeply physical gene key as well. And you can see this in my life, like, my spiritual awakening comes through the process of arduous work in the field of medicine. If I were not engaged really deeply in a grounded field, I would become lost. I would get lost in my head. I would get lost in abstraction. You've seen this happen to me when I go on breaks, when I have like weeks or when I have weeks off from medicine, I go into like a really discoherent place. I actually become quite depressed. Um, I need something grounded to kind of put me on the path. So there's this balance that I have to strike between staying rooted in my field and in my work. And at the same time, feeding myself spiritually a little bit every day, which is a realization that I had last night. It's like, I need to read some spiritual literature every day, even if it's only for five minutes, something to contemplate. Oh, say to that too, as well. That's my practice. And it's on the expressive side. I need to express source a little bit every day. And that's where I found home in writing poetry and having my morning yoga and Qigong. It's, it needs to be expressed in a move. Perfect for you because um, the 34th gene key is also very physical. Mm -hmm. It's all about it movement. Yeah. And I think about our physical gut issues that you and I are working through. So but I got a final piece here. I'll say this is not for the audience. This is from my heart and soul as a final capstone to this episode and reminder to you and it's ascension is incredible incredibly 
physical sequence of events. It has nothing to do whatsoever to do. It has nothing whatsoever to do with modern systems involving visualization or cerebral meditation. It usually follows many years of seeking by someone whose very path is to seek and aspire to higher planes. I'm going to pause and say that when I read that, I immediately thought of you in your early 20s, right? That was the wisdom seeking, the really just does a great, phase of seeking for you and it feels like i mean you're still going to do more but the word seeking is it feels like is at its completion now Mm -hmm. so i wanted to share that with you but where i finish this is for those who do not belong in this path this is truly a dangerous one for those who do it is effortless and spontaneous one aspires and sooner or later one ascends it really is as simple as that so from my love of ease and my gene key I give you that little bit of love. Let it be that easy, bro. (laughs) Thank you, friend. I appreciate that. Um, And it's a sentiment that has been shared to me by multiple different channeled sources prior to ever hearing about this book. It was like, just let it happen effortlessly and it's going to happen for you at some point. And I was like, you fucking kidding me? Me? (laughs) (laughs) Me? This dude? Like, I'm a white dude from Arizona. What? (laughs) I'm a white dude from Arizona. You know how many cut off t-shirts I own that I go to the gym in? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I'll say, man, like, I mean, that is also very meaningful to me because I'm learning the exact same shit. I'm learning how to find the ease and just let it be and let it come. So, you know, we're walking parallel paths together. I love it. So that was for you, but it was also for me. <laughs> for, for you. I wouldn't have it any other way, man. Oh. Glad to be here with you. Our to yours. And our hearts to our audiences. I hope someone has listened all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, this is the Gene Keys. When you're Zach and I are all up in it right now. We're loving it. If it resonates, please feel free to pick it up. It is The Gene Keys by Richard Rudd, R-U-D-D. You can go to thegenekeys.com and create a free profile and get a quick little summary. It's totally fucking awesome. Please do it. Absolutely. Love it. Wouldn't recommend it anymore. I recommend it to a friend this morning. I recommend Zach to the world. So, I recommend Niels Donk to the world. Trying to squeegee that ass. <laughs> uh, and those were some real words I sent Zach. <laughs> Squeegeeing my ass. <laughs> Don't threaten me with a good time, brother. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We love you. Happy December. Happy winter solstice, motherfuckers. We love you guys. And uh, we're probably going to do more Gene Keys shit this, this month. So, Oh, yes, we are. Happy Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa Festivus for the rest of us. Mm-hmm.